Hello, and thank you for joining us for episode 12 of the Living on Purpose podcast with Pastor John Scaly. Hi, John. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to be back together. Yes. Less than two weeks till Christmas. The countdown is on. Yeah. It's exciting. It's busy. We hope that you're doing well where you're listening to us. Um, We have our next question. All right, let's jump in. All right. Question number 11. Can you clarify 1 John chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, when John talks about sin not leading to death and sin leading to death? It seems so vague, daunting, and scary. Yeah, this is our first, what I would say, theological question. I mean, it's all theological, I guess, but this is the first question that we've received to give a, a correct interpretation, understanding of a particular text of Scripture. So let's look at these verses, uh, read them for our listeners, and then we'll look at the context all around them. Sounds good. All right. First John 5, 16, 17 says, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. Hmm. So it's interesting. It seems to be confusing, and you have to understand the context. I think that's the most important thing. Context is everything in the Word of God. A rule of thumb, when you're reading God's Word, always look at what's in front of what you're reading and also what's behind what you're reading. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a general understanding of the context. So context is everything. Now let's think about the theme of first John. And it's important to remember that first John is written by John and it's focused on assurance of faith. And so let's check out verses 13 through 15. These are verses that come right in front of this section. I think it gives us a good context. It says, I write you these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, that's, a, that's an important phrase. That's, that is a theme throughout 1 John. It's a, a theme of assurance of salvation. It's a theme of uh, you know, confidence in Christ. And so verse 14, then we see this. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us in verse 15, it says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And so it's important to see the context of this. When you read these verses again, you see the words of John as a source of encouragement to help us to recognize eternal salvation as uh, something that cannot be taken away from us and something that uh, is assured to us. So that's really what's going on here. And so these verses are meant to be uh, a source of encouragement because that's really the context. So he goes on to say in verses 14 and 15, uh, you know, when you pray according to the will of God, there's nothing that God will withhold from you. And so it's important to understand that too. Now, again, you're praying according to the will of God, not according to our own selfish desires, which we tend to do at times. And so the theme of first John really is about assurances of salvation. Now, there are some things that John points out that would cause us to take pause and to consider uh, what it means to be saved. And so there's evidences of this, and we don't have time to go through the whole book, of course, but mm-hmm. that's really the focus of it. And so with that in mind, let me answer this question. So going back to verses 16 and 17, John's talking about a sin that leads to death 
in a sin that does not lead to death. Mm-hmm. So there's a few thoughts that I have. Number one, this is not a particular sin that you should fear committing, causing God to take your life. In other words, this is not necessarily speaking of murder or a particular sexual sin. I'm not saying God could not take the life of a Christian for their lack of obedience in one of these areas. I'm just saying that there's no reason to believe it's one particular sin that you have to fear. Okay, this is less about what it is and more about the timing of God's offer of mercy in your life. In other words, there have been times when God has removed his mercy and he's brought his judgment onto people resulting in the loss of their lives. The perfect example of this is found in Acts 5 verses 1 through 11, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, where literally in the early church, people were selling their properties and giving the money to the church to care for the poor, to care for others. And Ananias and Sapphira, they saw a particular guy by the name of Barnabas do this, and they thought, well, we're going to do this too. But what they did is they sold their property, they kept half of the money for themselves, and they gave the other half of the money to the church. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No. Yeah, just itself. No. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. The problem was is that they lied about what they did. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied to the apostles, and they pretended to give everything that you know they had sold the money. They 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 pretended to give that all to the church, and they literally um, lost their lives because of their rebellion, their sin, their lying to the church and ultimately to the Holy Spirit. There was a guy years ago that I knew. He was coming on as a missionary for a particular organization. He uh, was at the first church I was at, and uh, he and his wife were looking for support. And I remember him distinctly. Fast forward 20 plus years later, now I'm done in youth ministry. I'm here at Emmanuel as lead pastor, and this guy shows up to our church. And I knew I knew him from somewhere, but I couldn't figure out where. And he wanted to meet with me. And after talking with him, I realized he had been a missionary in Russia. He was no longer a missionary. Matter of fact, he was no longer married. Mm-hmm. And the story is really pretty sad. He had uh, committed adultery against his wife. And uh, and then he did it again. And uh, he lost everything. He lost his family, lost his ministry, lost everything. And, you know, I wonder where he was at spiritually, if he was truly ready to repent, even when I met with him, because And this is a crazy story because we met on a Friday. He had filled out a connection card that previous Sunday. And we met on a Friday. We talked through it. And um, I was going to start counseling him and helping him. And then that weekend, he got his motorcycle. He went up north. He got hit by a car and he got killed. Now, am I saying that God killed him? No. Mm -hmm. Am I saying that God did not kill him? No. I'm saying that I really don't know. But I do know that there are times that people refuse to honor God, refuse to obey God. The Bible says whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And there are occasions where he'll take the life of a believer because that believer is bringing dishonor to his name. And so I think it's important to understand that it's not a particular sin, but it is a mindset. It is a mindset, and it comes down to, do we have a repentant spirit? Before I go to number two, you have any thoughts? Uh, just a question. Uh, can you define chastens? When I hear chastens, I think he chases, but that's not it, is it? No. The idea of chastens is the idea of the Lord comes after you uh, to correct you. Mm-hmm. And, um, so discipline? In discipline, yeah. Okay. So remember, discipline is always, uh, the intention of discipline is always to correct a course of action. Mm-hmm. And God will do that in our lives. And there are times when we just say no to God so many times to where God deals with us in a strong 
in even a harsh way. So should we fear death? Not necessarily. I'm not saying we should, but I think we should understand that that God is going to hold us accountable. Sure. Just like we do with our kids, right? Absolutely. We want the best for them. So we're going to correct their actions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be in the form of punishment if they're not listening. Yes, absolutely. So in the context of first John, uh, there's a lot of things to consider. And so I'm going to give to you the second thought and then, then try to help us understand it. Number two, God takes his reputation and the purpose of his church very serious. Now, remember, 1 John is written to believers. Believers are to what? They're to prioritize. We are to prioritize the mission of Jesus, not our own selfish desires. Sometimes the lines are blurred, and God had to remind the early church of their priorities. Now, an example of this is found in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 through 30, where Paul is challenging the church at Corinth. They had come together to take of the Lord's Supper, but in essence, they came together and it became a a drunken feast. They were literally celebrating and partying, and there were those that were poor that were not being taken care of. And the custom of that day was to provide for those who were poor. And so literally, it it, it became a situation where everything that was supposed to be was not the case. The motivations of the people coming to take the Lord's Supper were really in question. And the Bible literally says in these verses that because of this, some of you have become weak. And then it says some of you have even fallen asleep. And that's really a euphemism or a metaphor for who died. So literally because of their disrespect of the Lord's Supper in that early church, uh, they had made the table of God a mockery and they had lost their lives over it. Jesus also warned Uh, during his ministry on the earth, that a person who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, Mark 3 and verse 29. Now, that's an interesting thing because I don't believe that can be um, committed in the culture in which we live in today because Jesus is not walking physically on the earth. But Jesus literally, as he was doing miracles, the Pharisees and religious leaders were looking at him and saying, you're doing this in the spirit, the power of Beelzebub or the power of Satan, not in the power of God. Mm. And so... They attributed the power of the Holy Spirit to the power of Satan. And Jesus said, that is a sin that cannot be pardoned. Thankfully, it's not something I believe that we can go through today. Yeah. But the fact is, is that God takes his reputation and his purpose of his church very serious. Okay. Number three, it is possible. um, I should say the question, is it possible to know if we're in danger of committing a sin that leads to death? Because I know that that's what everyone's thinking, right? Well, oh man, I don't want to do this. I want to make sure I don't commit a sin that where God takes my life. Well, I, I think the important thing here is not to worry about God killing us. Okay. Again, that is very, very unlikely. I think it comes down to our mindset about our sin. And so I would say be a person of repentance God is not looking to zap you from heaven. He he does desire you to faithfully admit, confess, and forsake your sin when the Holy Spirit reveals it to you from his word. John also called having, um, he he also called people that were living in sin as being unrepentant. He called them as people that are, you know, disrespecting the truth, right? And so, and he could be describing here people, I believe, people who had left the Christian fellowship and join the false teachers of that day. And so 
that's important to understand the context too. It's very possible he could have been speaking of this. And so by rejecting the only way of salvation through Jesus Christ, these people are putting themselves outside of the grace and mercy of God. So it's very possible that that's what's going on, right, in the context of this. So is it possible um, to know if we're in danger of committing a sin that leads to death? I would say it's not really possible. But the thing I would say is just focus on uh, repenting of your sin, admitting, confessing, forsaking your sin. Yeah. Yeah. If you're focused on living in the will of God, then <laughs> it's a very hard chance that you're going to do something against the will of God. Yeah. Especially that drastic. Absolutely. And again, how many people is God going to take their lives physically? I would say probably not many. But the reality is it's not something we want to play around with. Here's a fourth thought. Pray for people, even though you don't know how close they are to God's judgment. Now, this is an interesting thing, right? Because we don't really know how close someone is to God's judgment in their life. There's no way of knowing this, whether a person, you know, is about to experience this or not experience this, right? So I just would say, again, there's no way to know where a person outside of ourselves truly stands with God. Therefore, pray for your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. God's judgment will come in his own timing. Our responsibility is to pray. We need to pray for people. We also need to remember the words of Galatians 6, 1 and 2, where it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, you who are spiritual, it says, should restore that person gently. Literally, in the Greek, it's the idea of setting a bone in place that's been broken. But you do it gently. You don't yank on it. Right. You do it gently. He says, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so, for us, the greatest thing that we can do is pray for ourselves and pray for others. And so, there's five, uh, basically, phrases or words of wisdom I would like to give as we close this podcast. Number one, be convictable. Are you the kind of person that's convictable? We talked a, a lot about that in the series, and James, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Are we convictable. Number two, be humble. Be humble. Admit your sin. It's so important to understand this, right? Be humble. When you've sinned against God, be humble. Number three, be discerning. Discernment has a lot to do with knowing what to do and when to do it and understanding um, different contexts. I, I think of 2 Timothy 2.22 to flee youthful lust, to follow after what is righteous and holy. And so discernment is wisdom and knowledge working together to make good decisions. Number four, be engaged. Be engaged in the Word of God. Make sure the Word of God is directing you. And don't just show up on Sunday to hear preaching. Be engaged in the Word of God during the week. And number five, be wise. Be wise. And that, you know, correlates to everything else that we've talked about. It's a very interesting question that was posed in 1 John 5, 16 and 17. Here's my last thought. Don't fear God zapping you, but have a humble contrite spirit towards sin and God will bless you. Sounds good. Thank you, John. And thank you for your question. If you are listening and you have another question about the Bible, about life, about God or Jesus, please email it to Pastor John. His email is john at weareemmanuel.life and we will answer your question in a future episode. Have a great day.